Greetings and welcome. If you're listening, please follow. If you're watching, please subscribe. With either, please like and comment, as I am your grateful host, Dan Riley. As I said in the last podcast in this mini-series, a very effective way to learn public speaking is to divide speech into two categories, which I call speech mechanics and speech content. Again, speech content is the words themselves. This one includes storytelling, rhetoric, rhetorical devices, and sensory-specific language. Speech structure, speech construction, just to name a few. We'll go deeper into this topic next week. Today I want to talk about speech mechanics. This is everything about a speech, or more specifically, communication of any kind that are not the words, but part of the delivery mechanism how one can make their words land with maximum impact. I'll get more into speech mechanics in just a second. First, I want to explain why this is so important for communication in business today. In public speaking parlance, the majority of communication taking place in the business world today is extemporaneous speaking, not classic speeches or keynotes. While at the same time, most public speaking training programs focus mostly on how to deliver a classic speech, which, don't get me wrong, is extremely important, but it should be in addition to, not to the exclusion of, all the other types of communication taking place in today's business environment. With extemporaneous speaking so prevalent in the corporate and entrepreneurial worlds, speech mechanics, while always important, takes on a larger role than it otherwise would. In these environments, the speech culture is such that soaring rhetoric and storytelling are largely absent. Previously, I dedicated an entire video to this topic. I'll place a link in the description. What is missing in virtually all public speaking training courses today is the understanding that each industry and company therein have a tacit speech culture, and this culture will always trump formal training. A large part of what I do is to show how to integrate tried-and-true classic rhetorical skills into the industry or company-specific speech culture one finds oneself in. Okay, what is extemporaneous speaking? Webster defines extemporaneous as spoken or done without preparation. In the speaking world, it's understood as a prepared, well-rehearsed speech but not read or memorized. Think of the business world with all its reoccurring meetings, sales and marketing, profits and loss, project updates, fundraising, key performance indicators, to name a few. They all require attendees to do some reporting or extemporaneous speaking. Good speech mechanics can assist in moving the presenter from a mere reporter of facts to an engaging speaker. Okay, let's talk about some of the specific speech mechanics. Among the most important, and this should be obvious, is body language. Don't, however, fall prey to the myth that body language accounts for a whopping 55% of your message. That number deals specifically with two experiments performed by Professor of Psychology Albert Morabium from UCLA many years ago regarding communication congruency on specific attributes. 
regarding feelings and attitudes when a speaker's words and body language were in conflict, an audience would overwhelmingly look to the body language as the best method to interpret the truth. Instinctively, we all know this. As far as public speaking or presenting goes, body language has many components. Let's cover some of the major ones. First is eye contact. Discount any advice that you've ever received that calls for things such as looking over the audience's head or looking exclusively to friendly faces or picturing them all wearing clown noses and the like. Forget all that. It's pure moonshine. Shakespeare said the eyes are the windows to the soul. Of course they are. Given the logistics of your speaking environment, look right into the eyes of as many people as possible for three to five seconds. But don't try to time it any more than you would time how long you remain in eye contact with your neighbor across the fence while talking about a football game. Trust your natural conversational rhythms. In all aspects of public speaking, we want to use our natural conversational style. This goes for meetings as well. And break the habit of looking at the projected data on the screen. If you're the one speaking, look at the people. Look in their eyes. Next, facial expressions. Wear a smile as often as you can and appropriate. We had a former United States president who had the unfortunate habit of smiling when he was talking about the most gruesome of things. Why, why those terrorists just beheaded five American journalists. And he would say it with a kind of smirk on his face. So don't suppress your natural facial expressions because you are speaking publicly. Accentuate them. They're aspects of you. They add to what makes you uniquely you and add in large part to what will make you an effective communicator. If in normal conversation you tend to pause and raise your eyebrows after you make a point, continue to do so when you speak publicly. Let's talk about voice. Not the words, we'll talk about words next week, but your voice. How much variety do you use? Are you varying the pitch, the tone, the pace, and the volume while speaking publicly in the same manner that you do in your day-to-day life? If not, you are really limiting your impact. A monotone voice bores people to death. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. No, no, the most famous speech of the last century would have been rendered long ago to the dustbin of history if it were delivered in a monotone voice. The pause. To my way of thinking, this is the most underdeveloped and neglected skill in the universe of public speaking in the world of commerce today. There's a Zen koan that goes like this. It's the space between the bars that cage the tiger. It's the silence between the words that make the speech. The pause has several applications. Many masterful speakers like to use the pause after their setup to draw maximum attention to their punchline. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Or Martin Luther King, how long? Not long. Depending on a particular speaker's natural cadence, it can also be used in the reverse way, pausing immediately after a thought they want the audience to ponder. And the poets, they said nothing at all. 
The pause is also a natural attention getter. Speech, by definition, is noisy. When there's a break in the noise, people notice, hey, what's going on here? I'm not hearing anything. Here's a great win-win application for the pause. Unskilled speakers are very uncomfortable with silence. They feel they need to fill every second with noise. And that is when all the ums, ahs, likes, and you knows enter the void. Eliminate these speech defluencies and replace them with a pause. Win-win. The last topic I'll cover today is gestures. We all gesture naturally when we speak, obviously some more than others. We don't even need to give any conscious thought to the process. We instinctively make gestures that perfectly augment our words most of the time. When publicly speaking, however, we tend to truncate our gestures for a whole host of reasons. For some, it may be the state of fear, the body is frozen, or their hands and arms are otherwise engaged in a nervous function, like jingling coins in their pockets, fiddling with a piece of jewelry on their hand, tapping a desk or lectern. There is a great exercise one can do to ensure that their arms and hands are free and ready to gesture fully. And that is to establish the default position of keeping your arms fully stretched at your side. This seems so unnatural at first. For men, you'll want to put them in your pockets. For women and men alike, you'll want to fold your arms behind your back or clasp your hands together in front of your body. Practice consciously letting your arms fall naturally by your side for a few minutes a day. I found the best place to develop this habit is while waiting in any retail line. By developing this default pose, you have the best launching position to deploy wide, full, and impactful gestures. This default position also conveys a sense of self-confidence and poise. In my new online class, I go over these topics and others in much, much more detail and depth. But for today, that's all there is. Please follow if you're listening and subscribe if you're watching. And with either, like and comment. This is Dan Riley taking you on an odyssey into oratory. Until next time, throw off those boats. Sail away from the safe harbor. Catch the trade wind. We're on the move.